2: Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Aaron Taub. When our powers combine, we are the wrong boys. I want to make sure everyone, if it's the first time that you're listening to Everything Evolves, that you're following us on Twitter, we are at Evolve Pod, where you can find me at Aaron like the car or or Aaron Taub at AP Taub. But I have a little treat for you this time, friends. We are joined. For the first time, by a special guest, the king of banter, public enemy number one of the wrestling left, Joe Lanza. Joe, how are you?
1: That's a pretty aggressive introduction. Uh, <laughs> I like that, though. You, you, you've got a lot of energy, um, uh, Bentley Aaron. That, I like that. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily appreciate you know, the enemy of the wrestling left, Joe Lanza. I mean, <laughs> it's already hard enough to get over with these people, and you're just burying <laughs> me from the start, but that's all right.
2: Well, I wanted to set up a good face heel dynamic uh, at the beginning of the show, so we'll see, you know, how you shine as we as we move forward.
1: Hold on a second. Well, how are the communists a babyface all of a sudden? This <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. I'm just a real American, you know? I'm You're just on- a, I'm a nice guy, solid middle-class wage, just paying his bills, you know? And you guys are the communists, so how am I to heal in this situation?
2: You're on our turf, Lanza. Uh, in in this part of the world, we are the baby faces.
1: What is this, Leningrad? I mean, what do you mean, your turf? <laughs> you're you're <in> Kentucky, <laughs> you know. You, you, you know, come on, give me a break over here. So, listen, I'm going to be the bad guy. I'll be the bad guy. You know. Well, yeah. Just, what
3: <laughs> do you think is more real, America? Um, bumblefuck Kentucky or bumblefuck
1: Texas? That's true. That's <laughs> true. It's 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 neck and neck for sure.
3: It's
2: definitely not Queens, New York.
1: Definitely not.
3: Well, Queens, New York is kind of a little more cosmopolitan. A lot of different cultures here, so you know, yeah. I I understand if it's not like real America. You know what I mean? Like people from other countries would want to come here to visit. I thought this.
1: I thought this thing was going to open up with Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov singing <laughs> the Soviet national anthem. We'll send we'll it in, in post.
2: Yeah. All right, so we've got Joe here, uh, but I do think that before we got started, since this is our first. Time we've had a guest. Uh, if you're going to come on, everything evolves. Uh, you have to join the family first, and AT has prepared something, Joe, uh, that we need you to do before we can really get going on this podcast.
1: Is it some kind of oath to the Communist Manifesto? Because I'm just going to have to hang up. Just
3: no, no. It's a it's an oath. Just you know, this is an evolve wrestling podcast. Okay, we would never want any of our listeners to betray evolve wrestling or to do anything, you know, that would speak poorly about the brand that we all love. So, um, yeah, so I'll I'll start it off. You can repeat after me.
1: Does that work for you? (laughs) I feel like I'm being set up, but listen, I'm a good sport. Let's do it.
3: All right. I, Joe Lanza.
1: I, Joe Lanza. Solemnly swear. Solemnly swear.
3: That I will never betray Evolve Wrestling.
1: Oh, Jesus, that I will never betray of of Wrestling.
3: I pledge my undying loyalty.
1: <laughs> I pledge. <laughs> I pledge my undying loyalty.
3: To Gabe Sapolsky. <laughs> You're
1: killing me. To Gabe Sapolsky. Sal Hamway. I knew it was coming Sal Hamway
3: and the entire world wrestling network empire
1: and the entire world wrestling network empire and further. What is this a half hour and further? I openly declare, I openly declare that my ends can be attained only. Oh oh boy. That my ends can only be attained only
3: by the forcible overthrow of all existing social
1: conditions. Alright, that's enough. That's enough. enough. I draw the line. I knew I was going to settle. At a communist revolution. Gabe and Sal is fine, but I draw the line. This is is obscene. I will not be set up in this manner.
3: Gabe and Sal, not Stalin and Mao. That's what I always say.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's basically the that's the tagline of of the evolve pod so <laughs>
1: wow. so
3: yeah
2: just
1: uh now right, that you're, well, now that 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 you're
3: that's... part of the family i think we're uh we're ready to go
1: excellent oh i got tears in my eyes
2: <sighs> okay so we are actually going to talk about uh evolve wrestling and wwn on this show the place that is uh, the best to start, I know normally we're either doing a preview of the upcoming shows or a, a review of the shows that have just happened. This is a little in-between show to do, you know, a, some year-in-review stuff. Uh, it was an excuse to bring on Joe uh, for some fun. And, of course, Club WWN launched since the last time we recorded, so we thought this would be a good chance to talk about that. If you don't know yet, WWN launched their streaming service, Club WWN. It's going to be nine ninety nine a month. For access to all of their uh, video on demand events. New shows are gonna hit the service on an approximately two week delay. Now, in addition, if you're subscribing, you're gonna get 50% off all the WWN iPay per views. So you don't automatically get the streaming if you subscribe to Club WWN, uh, but you do get 50% off. The first month is free, and Club WWN has integrations with Google Chromecast, Apple AirPlay, and Roku. Uh, there's also uh, some loyalty points uh, when you buy things from the WWN, you will apparently earn some discounts in the future. Uh, basically, to break it down, if you're buying the, if you were buying the live and the VOD before and you subscribe to Club WWN now, you'll be looking at about $25 a month. If you just do the live and Club WWN, uh, you'll be looking at $20 a month to watch both evolved shows each month. So AT, I want to start with you. Uh, I know I've seen you talking on Twitter that you think this is generally a good deal, but can you expand on that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing to think about when we think about Club WWN is that it is an incremental, it's like another revenue stream for Evolve and WWN. They're not centering their whole business model around a streaming service. And I think that that's smart, right? Like this is a thing where it's like, they're monetize. They have this back catalog of all this stuff, all this great Evolve Wrestling, all this Dragon Gate USA stuff, all these shine shows. And now they're monetizing it, right? They don't have Flow Slam anymore. So they're saying, okay, if you want access to this stuff and you're not going to buy like a Blu ray in 2017, like, here's how you can get it. It's 10 bucks a month. And we'll also throw in, you get discounts on, uh, you know, the 50% discount is good on all the iPay uh, per views. You're going to get some kind of loyalty points. So I think it's a good idea. I think the thing to think about is like, we've had people on Twitter who were like, why would I pay uh, 9 dollars a month for this and not get live streaming when I can get 9 pay 99 and get the uh, the WWE network, you know, for the same price and have more content and live streaming. And it's like, yeah, like that's not a good business model for WWN. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like it's like, 10 years ago, if you wanted to buy, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you wanted to buy wrestling. You know, the DVDs came out like two months after the show and you paid $20 and you got it in the mail. And no one was saying, like, this is overpriced, right? Like, people might have said, hey, I don't have the money in my budget to buy all these DVDs. But no one was saying, like, this is bullshit. This should cost less. This isn't worth it. Like, WWE decided out of the blue one day to say, Hey, it's 10 bucks a month for all this shit. And then the, the expectation is that now all these other smaller companies need to, to follow them into the abyss. Like this isn't even, I mean, WWE's business model with the streaming service only works because of their scale, right? Because they're going to have so many customers paying a little bit of money. And even then, I'm not even sure that they're better off now than they would have been selling the pay-per-views. So like, from my perspective, like you can't just expect them to to do what the WWE is going to do if it's not going to be a good business model for them.
2: Joe, when you first saw this announced, what did you think? Did you think this is going to be a good move for WWN or uh, the same type of idea that well if the streaming's not included, it's not much of a deal.
1: Well, I don't I don't necessarily buy that if the streaming's not included, it's not a deal. Let, let I mean, if you look at the math, okay, so you pay the $9.99 a month uh, for the service, right? Let's start with that. And then you get 50% off the live iPay-per-view. So if you want them – look, if you don't mind watching them on 10-day delay, you're watching all of them for $9.99, correct? Unless I'm misunderstanding. Yeah, yes, I think right. it's a
3: two-week delay, but yeah, more or less.
1: Okay, so you get a, a, a either a 10- or 14-day delay, whatever it is. You could watch everything for nine ninety nine. Now if you if you if you need to see it live, you're getting fifty percent off. So what are they running? Three shows next month? Is that what it is? Uh, so
2: two shows, I think. Well they're gonna have the style battle too. Oh, you're right. That's right. Three shows.
1: So then those would be, you know, the regular price is like ten bucks. So you get fifty percent off. So you're paying fifteen bucks if you want to see the shows live. So you're paying a grand total of dollars if you want to see all three shows live whereas before Club WWN existed that would have cost you $30. So it's actually if you if you're a hardcore fan who's buying everything anyway you're saving $5 when they're running three shows in a month.
3: Right. So and you're getting the whole archives whenever you want.
1: Right, exactly. And you're getting the the the, the Dragon Gate USA evolve the, the entire archives. So I don't see how the now yeah, I don't see how the hardcore fan who's watching everything anyway, like you guys, is losing here. You're saving money, even and that's and that's assuming you're buying them live. You're still saving money if you're okay with watching them on a slight delay. It's an absolute steal. Someone like me necessarily mind watching them on a delay. So, I mean, that's an incredible deal. Um,
2: so. <laughs> Joe, if you're not a I know you're not a hardcore watcher of Evolve, but is this something that you will subscribe to?
1: I think I will. I don't I don't know if I'll subscribe to it every single month. I, I it's I don't think it's gonna be like a, a set it and forget it subscription like I do with WWE Network and New Japan World. But will it go into my rotation with uh, demand progress and some of the other things I subscribe to? Uh yeah, I think it will because it, it's it you know, the, the archive is is a real draw for me. I'm 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 into that. And then I don't really mind watching the shows on delay, but here's the thing, if I'm if I'm sitting around on a Saturday afternoon and I've got nothing going on, I got no problem coughing up another five bucks to watch it live. Um so you know, there's that factor too. It's Generally, these shows are on weekends, and if you're busy, you, it kind of gives you some flexibility too, right? So, look, you know you're going to get it on delay a few day, uh, you know, uh, a week and a half later or whatever, two weeks later. But if you happen to be home, you have that option of plunking down another five bucks and watching it. So um, when you really break down the math, it works. And I think uh, Talbot made a good point. It's like just because WWE set their own price point that they feel they can get away with, why does everybody else have to follow suit? Now, I agree that you have to be, I guess, in a similar ballpark, but I don't buy the argument of, well, I'm getting all this from WWE. Yeah, but you're not getting Evolve. (laughs) So it's it's not like apples and apples. It's not like you're getting all of that from WWE Network plus these Evolve shows. If you want the Evolve shows, you're going to have to pay for something else. And to me, I I look at all of these services as separate entities. Am I getting my money's worth from this service? I, I don't necessarily compare it to other services.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's, go ahead, Aaron.
3: Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, Joe didn't say it, but, but this is sort of like an underlying thing of his point is that this isn't a service for someone who's only going to spend $10 a month on wrestling. You know, like this is a service for Evolve's, the hardcore audience of Evolve fans who gives like a lot of their disposable income to pro wrestling. Like these are for the dorks who travel to WrestleMania and go to shows and like already have two or three streaming subscription services probably. And then I recognize that some people have economic concerns and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, but I feel like the majority of Evolve wrestling fans um like are are people who are like, "Oh yeah, I can spend $20 a month on wrestling." as opposed and they to-
1: were and, and they were with Flow.
3: Right, and they were with Flow.
1: So if you're right. spending 20 dollars a month with flow in a normal month you're going to get two evolve shows you're going to be spending the exact same amount of money on this if you want to watch them live and you're saving half the money if you watch them on a delay
3: yeah and it's I mean this the this isn't as good a deal as like the yearly 12 dollars a month flow subsur- subscription service but it's a better deal than like just the regular WWN high pay-per-view offerings
2: yeah, the, the real problem that it starts to present is, like you're talking about, AT, is there are all these streaming services now. Everybody apparently feels like they need to compete with WWE's nine ninety nine dollars uh, price point. And unless people start coming together and putting lots of different uh, promotions on one service, it just becomes, it's too big, right? Like, where do we go from here where people can actually watch a lot of this wrestling, uh, instead of us having to choose, oh, I can subscribe to one or two of these at a time. I mean, I do New Japan. I don't. I only do WWE occasionally, like when a big NXT show comes up or something I want to watch. I get all these Evolve shows, but there's like some point I can't watch any more of the streaming services. So is that where this is going, just that it's going to be a completely fragmented uh, world, a market where uh, everybody is kind of choosing two to three to four that they want to watch, uh, but we all can't watch everything anymore.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it is going I, or I think that's where it will be for the foreseeable future. Like, I don't know how big the pie is in general. So a bunch of promotions teaming up on one service. I mean, we saw what FlowSlam slam tried to do and all the promotions were like, no, we have our own thing. Why are we going to team up with a bunch of other promotions and only get a piece of it? Um, I think that so that's one thing, and um, I think that yeah, ultimately the competition is going to be the same that it ever was. There's a lot of wrestling companies, and the ones that put out the best product will be the ones that get the consumers' money.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think WWN's goal here is to yank you away from WWE Network. Um, you, you know, I, I think their goal here is just to give a reasonable deal to the hardcore Evolve fan, And um, I I think they did a good job with that. I mean, on the surface, it it, it looks a little shady to charge extra for the live streams, but it's like we all talked about. When you break down the math, it's really not. And they're giving you that option to save a lot of money if you're willing to watch them on delay. So, um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I was... I, th- I thought it looked like a good plan when they first rolled it out. I still feel that way. Um, you know I was not a uh, flow subscriber, but I could see myself paying for this.
3: Right. Have either of you like been on the have either of you guys signed up or played around with it at all? I haven't. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it has integrations with um, the Chromecast, Apple Airplay and Roku. Um, but like the technology, like the user experience like sucks. It's like not good or intuitive. It's like an ugly site. Um, but from my perspective, like I'm okay with dealing with that with, which is like, if you're gonna fly in you know Walter and AR Fox and DJZ every month, I, I'm, I'd rather the money go there than to sort of have to deal with I'd rather have a shitty like user experience and good stream, good video quality and good talent than to skimp on other three of those other things to have like a really pretty website. So yeah, which
1: which again plays into the idea that this is really for a super hardcore wrestling dork. You know, this yeah. isn't you're not trying to attract your Gen Pop WWE fans make the jump here. You know, this is just this is for people like us and people listening to this podcast.
2: All right. Uh I think that's we've covered Club WWN. I do want to since we have Joe on here and uh, you don't normally dive too deep into Evolve. I wanted to run a few more things past you and kind of get your thoughts on it. We're talking about the business of Evolve and WWN. And uh, apart from the streaming, the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about and I've talked a lot about on this podcast is the fact that Evolve is a you know relatively small company. They're not doing big houses generally, uh, yet they run lots of different towns around the country, not even in a particular area. I mean, they somewhat concentrated in the Northeast, but, uh, you know, they're also been going to uh, the Midwest. They run in Florida. I find this bizarre. Joe, what are your thoughts on the way that Evolve runs their business as far as the places that they run shows?
1: Well, I mean, there's clearly cities that they do not do well in, um, you know, North Carolina, I can think of a few disasters, um, Atlanta, I don't think Atlanta did well. Maybe you guys could help me out with that. Um, but the the thing about it is the, 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 the number that I was given as far as, you know, they, they got to pack that van and travel from Florida to New York and, and, and Florida to Philly and, and then back. And, it, you know, that, that cost them about $1,500 right off the top, you know, fuel, feeding people putting them up in hotels things of that nature so there are a lot of costs involved in sort of bouncing around the country i think um there there's really no reason not to tag along at wrestlemania obviously i thought i think that the Royal rumble weekend um i mean i was at those shows and you know uh, they, they did well there uh they drew uh plenty of fans to san antonio this year so i think there's no reason not to tag along um Uh, on on big WWE weekends but yeah I agree I think um, you know they should cut down on the now look I get here's the other thing the reason that they're willing to run Florida is you can get those buildings for next to nothing Um, and that's why they can get away with you know 20 people paid 10 people paid uh, 15 people paid or whatever because you're getting those buildings for 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 practically nothing, so it, it's kind of a trade-off for the travel, right? I mean, but um, so I kind of get it. And there's a lot of talent based in Florida, but and look, and there, there there's something to be said for trying new markets to see if you can um, get something to hit. I understand that too. Um, but yeah, in general, I think they can save a ton of money um, by cutting down on, on on some of the travel.
2: Yeah, that's basically my thought. I find it very strange that they that they run all over because they there are markets they don't do well and you're right about Atlanta. That Massachusetts market that they run uh, isn't very good. Uh you know they do their best business at LaBoom in New York. Uh, mm. and that's also their hottest building. Like you think it, the promotion would look so much better if they ran out of there more.
1: I it's it's also a New York building. So It probably costs exponentially more to run there than it does when you can, you know, when you can run that terrible building in Florida that they run all the time, that they've been running for years with the Orpheum or what, uh, what town is that? Um, Yeah. I mean, so it's kind of like, do you. Do you do you break even running New York with a packed house or do you make a couple bucks running Florida even if you have to run a van down there or whatever and, 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 and have no fans and have this dead atmosphere? It's kind of like the Paul Heyman thing, right? Like the ECW arena for years was a loss leader for ECW. They did not make money on those shows. They lost money on those shows. But you had that hot, rabid, packed-to-the-rafters crowd that made it look like the hottest product on the planet. Right? So you kind of have to make a business decision at that point. Um, do we make that trade off? Do we lose money running this venue every time but making our product look hot? Or do we run a shittier venue and draw fifteen fans and maybe make a couple bucks? And I mean that's you know, that's I don't know. That's a business decision that I think everyone's gonna fall on a different side of the fence on. But it seems like what Evolve does is they do both. Well, um, oh sorry. No, I'm, I, mean, I was done.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that you're starting to see them make a decision, right? I think if you look at the last few months and the upcoming months and you look at where they're running, you're seeing a lot of New York, right? They ran New York in June. They ran New York in August. They ran New York in October. And they're running New York. They ran New York in December. And they're running New York twice in January. So I think that like when they got the flow slam money, they tried some new markets. They had some winners and some like Atlanta seemed like a loser. But it looks like those those uh, Detroit and Chicago shows do okay, especially the Detroit shows seem like they do really well um, but it seems like more and more they are working to base themselves in New York and be, which I think is a good idea. I've talked about like you should just build this New York market as much as you can build it and get people excited about your product and when they tune in it's like a hype crowd and it looks good um so yeah, I think that they're they're really starting to double down in New York. they they're doing, they ran it in December and then they're coming back next month and they're doing it. They're doing one show in Queens and one show in Brooklyn or two shows in Brooklyn with style battle. So, and, and if you read the WWN alerts, which, you know, Aaron and I, like we study the WWN alerts, like, you know, the ancient rabbis would study the Talmud, you know, we're always looking for clues, uh, to better understand, uh, the word of Gabe and yeah, uh, the
2: way we uh, yeah. uh, the communist manifesto. That was <laughs>
3: right. that too. Yes, obviously
2: opportunity on your part.
3: Yeah. We all have our own sacred texts and um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they said, you know, in the last WWN alerts, we love New York so much. So we're coming back again. I don't like, and I think that there's opportunity there. Like if you look at like, like we have house of glory and tier one wrestling, but there, I don't know. There isn't a, a promotion that you look at and say that's New York's pro wrestling company. The way that they're the way that you look at Chicago and AAW or you know PWG in Los Angeles, and I, I don't know, it's a big city, and I know that it's hard to run here, but there should be like a big, high level, like super indie level caliber of wrestler flagship New York
2: wrestling promotion. No, sure, but then those are the most expensive buildings, like Joe was just talking about, right? So how are they gonna? Uh, make money and run New York all the time. Well, we'll see. This I, I, you know, they may be getting
3: Laboon might be less expensive than we think it is. Like they may be they may have a deal there that's good for them. Is what I've heard, but I don't know how reliable that. I don't know if I should have said that. But yeah, the word on the street is that they get a decent deal on that Laboon building. And this building they run in Brooklyn is like at the ass end of Brooklyn, or not the ass end. That's mean. Um, it's just like. Far from Manhattan, right? If you, you are
1: so you are so afraid to offend anyone. Just in case there's <laughs> one listener who lives on the ass end of Brooklyn. Yeah.
3: Apologies to anyone. Bath Beach, Diker Heights, Bay Ridge, you know, wonderful neighborhoods. But if you think about Manhattan as sort of like the center of the city where like everyone has to kind of like go to for work and the trains go through there. Like if you want to go from Queens to Brooklyn, a lot of times you have to go in through Manhattan and you know, on the way there. And so like like, the place in Brooklyn is, like, all the way down in Brooklyn. It's a schlep from Manhattan. If you don't live in – if you live in, like, Queens or or Manhattan, it's, like, a schlep. So – and it doesn't have air conditioning. And it's a bad building. So I imagine that that building is, like, affordable enough, I assume.
1: You know, I could tell you that anecdotally I have um, friends in Jersey who <laughs> – there are times, and I I don't know the specific buildings. You could probably you probably know them though, um, mm-hmm. where they won't go because they're just too far from the closest train station. They don't want to either walk or take a cab from where they get off the train, and that has prevented them from buying tickets and going to shows. So I'm hearing you say this that some of these buildings are on the outer reaches of uh, you know of the city, and it, and it is making sense to me. Yes. Um. So that's lost revenue right there. Um, and, and, and I don't know how much you want to extrapolate that, you know, what my half a dozen friends equals in terms of how many other people are having the same thoughts, but that is a real thing. I mean, you know, if you can't get there easily by, you know, via the subway, I mean, a lot of people just won't go.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that they pull a lot from Long Island and I'm sure they pull a lot from like parts of this, like the Metro area where people have cars, but, um, but yeah, you're right. It's tough. I mean, that's why I think it's good that on a weekend they're going to have those shows in Brooklyn and in Queens. Like, I'm going to try. I'm going to go to the ones in Brooklyn because I, like, I got to go see Nick Gage versus Walter. But, like, if if the card wasn't as strong in Brooklyn, like, I could go to the Queens show and skip the Brooklyn one. And someone who lives in Park Slope could be like, okay, I'm going to, like, schlep down to to Bath Beach and and see that show and skip the one in, in Queens. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting because I don't really have like a a thesis on this take. I was just kind of talking it through. But uh, I didn't expect this
2: episode to be so heavy on New York geography. But yeah, I hope everyone has their subway
3: maps. If you want to just take a moment (laughs) and want to listen to that great conversation again, you can go back a couple minutes, pull up your subway map and and sort of, you know, really uh, get to the bottom of this debate.
2: (laughs) I, I would strongly suggest you do that. All right. The, the meat of this show is is uh, was intended to be about kind of the year in review of Evolve. Uh, take a look back and see where they come, where they're going, and what our favorite stuff and least favorite stuff was from the year. So I guess, A.T., let's start with you. Just generally, how did you feel about Evolve from, from January to December?
3: Well, it was a weird year with a lot of ups and downs. And uh, I would say that, you know, they lost – hero after the january shows and right before that they'd lost you know gargano and nice and gulak and you know kind of gutted the mid card the mid and upper card uh of the Evolve roster but um yeah and it seemed like the first half of the year they really tried to fill in those gaps with sort of guest stars we'd see them rely on a kyle Riley or a donovan Dijak or a leo rush to come in for a weekend or two and sort of add a little star power to the top of the cards. And it felt like the promotion was kind of like sort of a little stale in the middle parts of the year. You know, it, it didn't seem like they were really, um, things just kind of ran together a lot of times. You know, we saw the, we, you know know, we saw the big elevation of Keith Lee was sort of the big breakout star of Mania weekend. Um, and yeah, later we, um, we started to see towards the end of the year though, that they, they kind of, started to find their guys, right? We're seeing the elevation of Darby Allen, of Austin Theory, of Jocka, of Chris Dickinson. And it, the promotion feels like it's on an upswing now. And uh, and as we'll talk about, along the way, there was a lot of great wrestling.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, to me, I mean, you know, Gabe admitted uh, in you know one of the brilliant Sports Illustrated pieces that he might have gotten a little boring or a little bored booking involved uh, this year. I think we saw that. But to me, the story is it all kind of goes around Flow Slam. And the story of the year of Evolve is, is Gabe Sapolsky as the athlete who got the big contract and then doesn't perform uh, with the big contract. They kind of uh, fall back on their laurels a little bit. Gabe has basically admitted as much. And uh, so we saw it kind of get a little boring. We saw it kind of get a little stale because he wasn't as motivated Uh, to put out the same type of creative content because he didn't really have to. There was a contract where the check was going to be coming every month. I mean, there were some incentives built into the contract that we all saw, but uh, largely it was just, you know, you show up and do the shows and and we'll pay you. And now what we're seeing toward the end of the year is Gabe as uh, the athlete in the contract year. He's hungry again. He knows he has to perform so that, A, he's got to sell tickets at Mania, Uh, B, he wants to do some more things with streaming or whatever is going to come next and build up the brand again. So uh, I do think that we saw that in the in the middle of the year, but now we're back on the upswing again. And it's I'm really excited about Evolve for once. Uh, Joe, you don't watch Evolve in the same way we do. But I know you follow everything uh, since you guys cover everything on the flagship. But how did you see this year uh, playing out for Evolve?
1: Okay. So I think that, uh, it was definitely a transition year because they, you know, they had that loaded roster the year before in that incredible year, the year before, and, you know, they got raided and a lot of people left, you know, they, you know, Thatcher gone, uh, to Germany, uh, TJP and Gulak and Chris Hero and, 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 um, and all of those dudes off to WWE, Cedric Alexander, all those guys, Willow Spray gone, um, you know, So it was a transition year with the roster, and then sort of like what you alluded to, they would bring guys in on weekends, but then even those guys would get signed up. So you couldn't do anything long-term with your Donovan Dijacks and your people like that as well. So uh, the company ended up being built around Zack Sabre Jr. and now Keith Lee and, uh, and Matt Riddle, uh, predominantly those three, but the rest of the roster was really in flux. And I think that's why you saw your Chris Dickinson and your Jockas move up. Because there were spots available, and, and those guys stepped up um, admirably, I think. I think they've done a good job. Uh, the other thing you have to remember in terms of um, you know maybe the creative malaise, I think those are all good points that Bentley made in terms of having the security of, of, of money coming in every month. But the other thing is Gabe Sapolsky has been consistently booking pro wrestling since like 2002. I mean, we're talking about a 15-year run of booking pretty high-level wrestling. The highest level indie wrestling you can possibly book and pretty high level wrestling. Um, Wrestling bookers do not last 15 years. I mean, generally, they'll burn out after a year or two. I mean, you look back at the territory days, uh, you know, you you would cycle out your bookers because you just run out of ideas. There's not, you know, it's a tough job and it's a mental grind. And this guy's been doing it for 15 straight years. And, you know, I wrote a personality profile on Gabe in Fighting Spirit magazine that came out last month. And one of the big overriding themes uh, with that profile that I wrote was how, he has been doing this for so long and goes through periods of burnout. And and he does admit when he goes through those periods of burnout. I mean, he admitted, you know, he came on our flagship show, I don't know, four or five years ago and we interviewed him and he admitted to um, you know, going through a period of burnout um in the Dragon Gate USA days. So that plays into it too. I mean, you know, there's mental fatigue at play. You know, and, and you can kind of always tell when he gets super motivated again and has great ideas. And when, and when he is motivated and when his mind is fresh, he is a really good booker. You know, I know he takes a lot of shit from a lot of people, but you know, when, when, when he hits on something, you know, he, he really nails it. And look, he has a lot of ideas that fall flat. I thought, you know, circling this back to evolve. I thought the Thatcher thing went on way too long. And you know they should have cut bait on that, you know, much sooner than they did. I was there in Dallas live when when Thatcher was the least over person in the promotion, uh, you know, at, at a WrestleMania weekend, and he was the champion, and that was just embarrassing for the company. It was the guy that people wanted to see the least. Um, but but um, I kind of actually forgot your question at this point. I've just been rambling on. But uh no,
2: that I just wanted you to talk about uh you know how you saw the year and evolve go and say Yeah, so you, yeah, you just it. to
1: wrap it up. I mean, yeah, just a year in transition. Uh we saw some new guys come up and we and, and we see the big 3 that they're built around now and I think that um you know a lot of the outside of the ring news may have dominated, but um there there was some really good wrestling. With that said, there was some really poor shows too.
0: Yeah,
3: I agree. Um about everything you said, it just sort of like I can't imagine like being creative like that constantly for fifteen years.
1: I can't even I can't even think of anyone who has booked pro wrestling for half that length consecutively. I mean, 50, there's I definitely can't think of anyone who's done it for fifteen years straight. For sure. I mean I, I can't think of a single person.
3: Yeah, unless you want to count like a Vince McMahon you
1: know who has a team of writers and had pat patterson and it's definitely not
3: he's writing his best shit right now you know yeah (laughs) i
1: mean if if he was doing it all on his own i mean he wouldn't have done it for this i mean you know he's had people whether it was starting off with george scott and then pat patterson and then vince russo and then you know a team of writers since then so i I don't even think that's necessarily comparable
3: yeah and no and, and i also agree too that he gets a He's unfairly picked on, I think, just because he's just like his public. He just needs a publicist, you know. He just needs a p. He just needs like a PR consultant to help interface with the public sometimes. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, he's really good. More, I think. I think it just felt like a lot of times this year was like things started to go somewhere and didn't really come together in the right way, or they went a little too long. Like we saw. You know, we'll talk about the Darby Allen Ethan Page feud, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I, I but but I do think like it's a good promotion with really good wrestling, and I don't know. I, I have high hopes for the booking for next year. I thought the last, you know, Aaron and I talked about it last month, but um, or I guess earlier this month rather. But I, I thought the you know we thought the last two shows this, this December weekend were really well booked. This was
1: like the most to me, this was like the most challenging two year period for an indie booker with WWE signing so many people and so many so much talent being in flux and not knowing who's going to work for you uh, in a month, let alone six months, especially when you're booking the way Gabe does, where you have, um, you know, it's it's. It's a lot easier to book a monthly promotion that really doesn't run a ton of storylines or or, or those sorts of things. But it was a real challenge over the last two years, losing talent and not necessarily knowing when you're going to lose them and then trying to replace them and then trying to do something cohesive with these new faces, too.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's we've talked a lot about building around guys like Chris Dickinson and Jaka or even at times Tracy Williams, even though I'm not a big Tracy fan. But these are guys who probably aren't going in the near future to WWE. So, you know, maybe those are the guys that Gabe should build on. And he seems like now he is starting to build more around guys who aren't going anywhere. That's where it looks like we're going.
3: Yeah. And I guess one thing, too, is like we almost glossed over it. Like we talked about all the guys they lost. Like they lost Drew Galloway on the night of, you know, the WWN Super Show when he was in the main event.
1: I mean, that's a funny night. They
3: were just like, yo, we need this dude to sit in the crowd. Like, go fuck yourself. You know, find some. You know, find someone just, else to put in the match.
1: Yeah, That just hammers home my point. I mean, it's just it's just so hard. You know, who knows what was planned? But uh, but yeah, yeah, you, you're like the, the guys that that Bentley mentioned that they're building around, and then you have you have Lee Riddle and Zach Saber Jr. who are under contract, so it it's safe to do things with guys like that too. Who, but then again, with the nature of those contracts, that doesn't even guarantee you anything because you know they have those out clauses. So well I guess I guess when it comes to riddle, you don't really have to worry too much. Uh, you know, he's not um you know, going anywhere anytime soon. But and, and I guess you know, I, I and I guess to some extent Zach Saber Jr. as well. But I mean Keith Lee can get a call at any time, you know, contract or, or not.
2: Yeah, he's a guy you expect to go to WWE at some point. But Saber, it looks like he either they didn't offer him or he turned down. I, I don't know exactly what happened there, but he's not leaving. Yeah,
3: what's the what's give us the dirt? What's the deal with Saber? Why is he, 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 with he, WWE?
1: he doesn't want it right now? He's a day. Um, he, what
3: was that? He's a woke day. He doesn't want to go. Yeah, well, he, he doesn't yeah. want to go for the. He doesn't want to go work for the fascist uh wrestling company. He's, he's woke for sure. That yeah. may have
1: something to do with it. I mean, I've you know heard some other things, but uh, yeah, he, but that that could play into it for sure. sure. I mean,
2: he's, wait, but here's what I need your real take on Joe. This is yeah. a a big everything evolves topic. How horny do you think Zack Saber Junior. is?
1: How horny do <laughs> I think he is? Yeah. That's a good question for me, huh? That you can ask me exactly. Yeah. More, more,
3: more horny than average or less horny than average?
1: Um, on, on my on my limited knowledge of some things, I know about the man. He's more horny than average.
2: Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank wow. you.
1: Yeah, I've been. Cr-
2: we talked about this on a previous. We even yeah. put up a poll on Twitter. Yeah. Most people say he's less horny than average. I think that's crazy. Why
1: would they say that? I don't know. That's just
2: the vibe they think he puts off.
1: He's a young, virile man. I don't understand why he'd be considered less horny in any regard, you know?
2: I, I've uh, told the story many times of him at AAW at his merch table, shirtless, drinking a, a Corona. He looked pretty horny. That's all I'm saying.
1: A shirtless with a Corona is a pretty horny look. Right. Well, all right. I, knew,
2: I knew that Joe Lanza would have the look, like, thorn I'm, and take.
3: I'm a person who admits, you know, I'm an adult. I admit when I'm wrong. And uh, I guess, according to the backstage gossip, uh zach saber jr he loves to fuck and he's hornier than average and uh i apologize to all our listeners i didn't say year. all that
1: but fine That's <laughs> oh,
2: zach, zach definitely fucks i don't think there's any question
3: but well, i mean obviously but you know in any event uh <laughs> i think yeah. he's a
1: fan of the, of the fucking i think he i think he's a fan of the and chapin, and he does what he has to do and and i i do think he's above average horny for sure
2: all right thank you there we go all right uh, now that we've established that Zack Saber Jr. is more horny than average, uh, let's talk about some of the good wrestling that's happened in Evolve this year. We're going to do a little bit of awards, uh, have a little fun with that. We're going to start with the big prize, which is Match of the Year. Aaron, what was your match of the year for Evolve uh, in 2017? Well, we, so should maybe, we start at the top or should we build
3: up to the? No, to the nah, let's just go with the Match of the Year because I didn't have as many. I didn't have as many like runners up sort of. Okay, I, know, all I just right. had a lot of yeah randos but for me like wrestling is best um when it's memorable when it makes us feel when it surprises us when it draws us in even when we're not really expecting to be drawn in right when you sort of when it takes you right when you're just along for the ride um and for me you can have a million sort of like real. there were a lot of great matches this year um, but for me, the one that stands out most in my match of the year is uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jocka from Evolve 87 at Laboom. So Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jocka won uh, at Evolve 87 at Laboom in June. And I, I just I, I watched it back again today. And like what I love about the match is that you can just sort of see them working the crowd and, and sucking them in little by little over time, right? Like, Jocka comes out before this match and cuts a pre-match program, and he goes, who all here thinks that I can win the Evolve Championship tonight in New York? And it's his hometown, and everyone there, like, no one gives a fuck. Everyone's booing. Like, no one thinks he can beat Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, for, the Ev- for the Evolve Championship. And little by little throughout this match, I mean, he comes out with intensity. They're slapping each other, you know, within two minutes of the match starting. But every time Jocka gets something going... Zach's able to grab his leg and put him in a hold or something like that. He's just too quick. He's, he's, he's too, uh, his technical prowess is too much, despite Jaka's power. And, um, you know, throughout this match, uh, Zach is just, you know, doing Zach Sabre Jr. things, twisting his arm, putting him in danger with, for submissions. But Jocka just keeps coming back. He kicks out of a penalty kick. You know, Chris Dickinson is losing his mind on the outside behind his spread. And, like, over the course of this match, it's like, oh, they're kind of getting into Jocka. Oh, they're 50-50. Oh, and, like, by the time, like, by the time that Jocka hits his wheel kick and he's going for, you know, his Liger bomb to try to win the match, I mean, he stands up and he hypes, you know, he deflects he takes his deep breaths and, uh, you know, he's going for the win. And the crowd is just fully behind him. They're yelling his name, Jocka, Jocka, you know. They're, they're losing their shit for this guy who, at the beginning of the match, uh, nobody nobody really – I mean, people knew who he was. he He's an involved tag team champion. People kind of cared about him, but nobody gave him a chance in this match, and certainly no one was going, you know, outside of, like, his family and friends was going to this match, like, I really want to see Jocko win. And so people are losing their minds, and then the exact moment where you you get in, you're sucked in, you're behind him, you think he can win, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. counters – puts him in that European clutch, the back bridge of doom and wins the match and Jaka's has just left And I thought it was a beautiful story. Um, and it and and there are matches that are probably like technically better like that would get more stars, probably. but for me, like that this was the best piece of pro wrestling that and, and the thing that'll that I'll remember. I was at the show, so that biases me. but that's probably the thing I'll remember most from this year. And um, that was a three-match, you know, that was the first in a, in a really great trilogy that they had. Joe, um, if you haven't, and anyone listening, if you haven't seen these Jaka-Zack Sabre Jr. matches, if you get the Club WWN, go check out the three matches they had. It was a great three-match story. And, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's my favorite. That's my match of the year.
2: I'm also going to go with uh, being their live bias. Uh, but My match comes from, over WrestleMania weekend... Uh, At Evolve 81 there in Orlando, it was the the Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak match. I had not seen their previous matches. This was a weird crowd. I forget what they were running up against, but it was a really small crowd that night. As I recall, anyway, somebody could correct me. But I remember it being small. And uh, I I was like, okay, Keith Lee and Donovan Dijak sounds fun. And then they did just a bunch of stuff I've never seen two guys that size do. And I just had a time of my life watching it. So. Uh, that one it was the winner for me Also really liked uh, the Keith Lee and Ricochet match From that same weekend I will never forget the the pounce In that match When Ricochet f- uh, took the pounce off of Keith Lee And it was uh, just a great bump And uh, uh, that was a really good match But So those were two that I really liked I was at both of them live So I'm sure that ticks them up a little bit uh, Joe, did, do you have an opinion on the best match At Evolve this year?
1: Yeah, I do It's good because we all have different answers Excellent um, that same weekend, though, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. ACH was really good, too. I think that was the first night of the uh, Media Weekend shows. Yeah, but, that was terrific. Uh, yeah. Can I cheat a little bit? Does WWN Live Super Show count? Because-
2: Absolutely.
1: Oh, geez, That's an emphatic answer. Um, the South Pacific Power Trip versus Dickinson and Jaka match. Um, uh, I-, I can't really decide between that one from the WWN Super Show or the uh, Chris Hero-Zack Sabre Jr. match from San Antonio. Uh, now, that was the hero going away, obviously. And a lot of people felt that match was a little excessive. And I think that is probably uh, my biggest gripe with it as well. But in terms of emotion and being sucked into a match... Uh, that was the match this year that uh, hit on those chords for me. I think that was on the 28th, the second of the two shows in San Antonio, uh, Saber and Hero. And then uh, in terms of just uh, pure action and uh, cool spots and things of that nature, then it would have to be South Pacific Power Trip versus Dickinson and Jocko.
2: Yeah, those were two great matches. Also the ach Zach Saber match. I'm not a, a progress watcher. That was my first time seeing South Pacific Power Trip, and I immediately became... Uh, a huge fan of theirs, and started trying to catch more of their matches uh, ever since that happened. Yeah, that match banged, and I, I'm I'm
3: mad. I missed I missed Lee Jijack live. I got the show late because I was going to to the. Sh- I was that many a weekend with friends who were not like hardcore wrestling fans, and so it was like really important to them that we like get a weed run in. And so like I was, we were getting weed, and like it was early in the show, and I missed it. it as some bullshit. That's, you
1: know, that's a disgrace. That's you know, it's I, look, I have no problem with the weed. Let me make that clear. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not a weed uh, I don't do the weed myself to yeah. help. But um, I have no issue with it. Uh, I believe it should be legalized as well. But you need to take care of that before the show. Okay, you can't miss any action to go on a weed run. This is this what are you doing? You do a podcast on this product. But we we didn't cover. do a podcast at the time. It's still no embarrassing. embarrassing. That's it's fair, but, but it's still, still a bad job out still, of you. It's
3: absolutely. Bad. It's a bad job by me, as they would say on, uh, on uh, you know, New York sports radio. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, it was like I kept trying to text the dealer and it was just like we couldn't really line up a time and it was the only time we could do it. And my friends were like, oh, like we're going to Kaiju tonight. Like we have to get this weed. Um, and so we did. And I went in this dude's house and it was like he was like living with his uncle then he was like a friend's like friend from that they worked together at a restaurant and they had to pretend that like he like introduced me to his uncle and was like, Oh, this is Aaron, like we worked together at this restaurant, and I like had to meet the uncle and like pretend that like we knew each other, were friends, and then we like went into his room and got the weed in the condo and I came back into the car and my two friends were just like watching porn. Um, on their mobile what? phone. Oh, I just walk into the car and they're just like watching porn. And it's just like on – I just like – it was the most surreal experience of my life. Just like a very strange five minutes of okay, like I me and my right. uncle walking out into the car and then my friends just having like porn on.
1: I got a lot so, of questions. Yeah, yeah let's a hear
3: them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: First of all, what kind of porn were they watching together? It
3: was uh, It was man on woman – uh, just sort of like straight porn. These are, um, heterose-
1: these are, two these are heterosexual. These were heterosexual men.
3: men. Uh, the watch woman's, watch woman's name was uh, ja- Janice Griffith. Yeah, two heterosexual men watching straight porn together. And you
1: remember the actress's name?
3: The <laughs> yes. they, they were really big fans of hers. I don't remember the male actor's uh, name, but uh, but yeah, okay. it was it was uh, Janice Griffith and some guy on Pornhub, okay. I think.
1: So two hetero dudes watching hetero porn together in a car, a waiting for you line. to waiting for you to emerge with the weed. Yeah. After you had to meet this guy's uncle. Yeah. Have you ever watched porn together with your bros? Because no. I gotta tell you, that's a solo activity for Lanza. You same, same here. I mean, not not that
3: um, I'm like, you know, uh, you are so
1: afraid to offend people. This is right. crazy. Yeah. Not, like, yeah. No. I just haven't. I, yeah. I think that, I think like, we all get it. We yeah, all get it. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, I don't see the point in watching porn unless I'm beaten off to it, you know. And right. I'm definitely not going to beat off the porn next to my bro who I'm going to go to a wrestling show with. I I right. don't know. I I feel like it's a solo activity. I feel like it's a little weird that that's how they chose to the kill the time while you were in there scoring the goods. Yeah. I, I'm a little. I'm a. I don't know. I, I I think I wish they were here so I can. Ask a lot of questions to them because well, I feel like
3: you can weekend. answer them. One of them is coming back, so you can ask him uh, all about oh, – Is this in New Orleans?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have to introduce me to this guy. Absolutely. Because- it's done. Okay. Because I Wait, need to know – You're going to be there? Yes.
2: Oh, this is going to rule.
1: Yeah. I will be in New Orleans. Now, I don't know if I'm staying the full three days or how- what shows or where I'm going to be. I will be in that town, though, at some point you know, during that weekend, I got to question this guy on the porn and find out why he felt like this was a thing to do. I I have never been compelled to just watch the porn with one of my friends. That's, it's bizarre. You know, there's just, there's only one instance where I'm watching porn with another human and that's if I'm with a girl and I'm trying to warm it up a little, you know, maybe, maybe Lanza's maybe my game isn't on point that night or it's just not moving the way I'd like it to. So you nudge him towards some porn. It starts off playful. Hey, let's watch some porn tee hee, you know? And then it just moves. I think we've all been there. And then you just, it. hopefully it moves along from there. It gets kind of the gears move in and, and, and then you do what you got to do. But I don't think I've ever watched. Like, what is the point? I mean, there's no end game there to watching the porn. Why are you just like, I'm wondering: Were they aroused by the porn? Were they unable to be aroused by the porn because they're watching it with another, like, like a friend? I, I have so many questions. This is fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I, you
3: know, and I certainly understand if you like watch the porn for the art. Like, I get it, but, but for me, it's, it's just I'm just doing it to beat off. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I it was, I was surprised to see it, and uh, they put it away pretty quickly after i got into
1: oh oh now see that's a key detail
3: yeah they were like oh haha ha, and then they were like you know so they were a little embarrassed that you- i don't think they were like embarrassed but they were like oh aaron's like this is like not really a thing that it's- aaron would do
1: oh they were like oh, i think they're
3: just like hornier than
2: i am they're more
3: gotcha. Yeah. so
1: this was like they were like this is not aaron's jam yeah we need to put the porn away yeah
2: But I I just, I guess what I want to know, Joe, if you get to talk to them, please let me know if I'm not there. I just want to know how this started. Right. Yeah. Like whose idea it was, where that idea uh, spring from.
1: Yeah. Were they talking about porn before you got out of the car?
2: Not really. Like I just,
3: one of my friends who is not coming back this year, but he's just like very horny. Like I would say he's, he's like, has a very high sex drive. And um, so I, I imagine it was his idea. But I don't know for sure.
1: Hmm. I'm, I'm taking notes as we speak. I'm going to talk to this other dude and I'm going to get to the bottom of this.
2: I can't wait. I hope you'll uh, come back on the show to report back of what you find uh, out.
1: It's good idea.
2: <laughs> All right. So, as much as I like talking about Weed yeah, and. Do porn, we want
3: to talk about the other matches? There's uh, other things, other honorable mentions?
1: Or,
2: uh, if you want to, I mean, I kind of threw in the other ones that I was talking about. But go so that I. I
1: gave three, so uh floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. throw in some more, A.T. Yeah, I think one match that also stands
3: out also from the main, since we're speaking of Mania Weekend, uh, Darby Allin versus Ethan Page, I think is, is um, a match that stands out. It was kind of like a horror movie, you know, a horror thriller of a match with the monster Ethan Page sort of coming after Darby Allin. Uh, just some insane spots of Darby Allen being lawn darted into the wall and packaged pile driver through chairs and he kicked out. It was just like a great, and that, that was a well-built feud that, you know, that was really well done. Um, and so I thought it was like just a great violent match. Um, and then, yeah, I would say the, uh, the other things that you guys mentioned, the Keith Lee ricochet match, the South Pacific power trip versus doom patrol, um, I thought Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle from uh, Evolve 87 in June was was just like two stars going balls to the wall. I thought that was great. And um, the other match I would shine a light on is uh, Leo Rush versus Zack Sabre Jr. from Evolve 85 in May. Just a really good, intense, hard-hitting, fast-paced match. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I wanted to shout out one more, and that was uh, Matt Riddle versus Tracy Williams at Evolve 93 in Summit, Illinois. That was like, we bitched a lot that they were, uh, they waited too long for that match, uh, and that, you know, a lot of it had died down. A lot of the heat between the two guys had died down, but they worked the match as if it was the hottest feud in the world. And uh, so it ended up paying off anyway. So uh, I would definitely suggest people watch that match if you didn't catch it. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is a wrestler of the year in Evolve. And Joe, I want to hear from you first on this one.
1: Uh, it's Zack Sabre Jr.
2: Well, damn it. Um, I was hoping you were going to bring some variety to the show here, Joe.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's kind of I mean, you know, I, I, you know, by any measure, you know, first thing I do is think about my gut when I think about any year end award. And that's my answer from my gut is Zack Sabre Jr. But then what I what I'll do is I'll look through my notes and I'll see if anything changes my mind. And I looked through my notes and I got my, my spreadsheet with my four-star plus matches, which is something I like to look at. And he was the clear leader in the company in that regard, too. So um, to me, he's, uh, he's an easy pick.
2: Yeah, I looked at my spreadsheet as well. Uh, obviously, my wrestler of the year, Zach Saber Jr., we have uh, sung his praises throughout the year on this show. I was surprised. I thought that Matt Riddle had a bad year. Not a bad year, but a a less good year than I expected. But when I look back at my spreadsheet, I had uh, tons of high-rated matches for Matt Riddle. And I do want to shout out, uh, you know, it's hard to do a tag team of the year because there are only a few tag teams. But I just want to mention Doom Patrol in this part of the conversation because Dickinson and Jaka as a team were great all year long. Like one of the best tag teams uh, in the world, in my opinion, this year. And so I just wanted to shout them out. AT, did you also... Uh, cast your vote for uh, Labor's Zach Sabre
3: Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, shout out to Doom Patrol, shout out to Matt Riddle, shout out to Keith Lee, but, like, it's Zach Sabre Jr. The hornier than average, the ultimate class warrior, and the evolved champion in, in, in a walk. It's just not even really close. I mean, he just had – he was just so consistently great this year. Um, and You go through and you look at the Chris Hero match, the title win against Thatcher – The match against ACH, the Leo Rush matches, um, the matches against Jaka, Keith Lee in in September. I mean, he was just excellent. In a year where there was just a lot of turmoil and a lot of ups and downs and a lot of booking decisions that didn't like totally all the way come together. uh, There was one constant and it was just Zack Sabre Jr. was just excellent night in, night out.
2: So, Yeah, he rules. He rules. All right. Show of the year. There's the next one uh, we're going to talk about. Now, I had two that, that really came to mind. One one was a little better than the other. You know, I thought after Mania Weekend, a lot of people uh, kind of shitted on the shows for Mania Weekend that there was a lot of, like, negative talk about them. I think because the crowds weren't that great, uh, they weren't that big to begin with, and they, they weren't that loud. Uh, but the shows were really good. So, I mean, when I went back through my list of all the matches – Evolve 81 just stood uh, far above the other matches or the other shows. I had five matches on that show at four stars or better. Uh, you had Yehai and Riddle who had a really cool grappling match. Zack Sabre and Elgin uh, kicked off that show with a great match. The Darby Allen Ethan Page match. Uh, Drew Galloway before he ran out of Evolve had a, a really fun match with Leo Rush and it had the Keith Lee Donovan Dijack match on it. So. I don't know why everybody was so down on these shows, because I thought that show ruled. Uh, The other one that I had was Evolve 79. Uh, The best match on there was a Keith Lee-Tracy Williams match. I really like when Tracy has to work against uh, a big guy, and he seems to have to break out more tricks than he uh, normally uses in the matches that I don't like. But there was a really good tag match with uh, a weird mix-up, or a matchup of Yehai and Dickinson against uh, Austin Theory and Anthony Henry. And this is before Theory really broke out, and they had this cool match. I'm pretty sure this is the match where Dickinson ended up doing the, uh, the bazuzu bomb over Yehi, who had his, the Koji Clutch locked in at the same time. So they were kind of setting up some dissension between those guys, and it was very cool. Uh, and, of course, Zack Sabre Jr. won the title from Tim Thatcher on that show. So those were the two shows that I really liked this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think with those Mania, those Mania weekend shows were tough for two reasons. Because it was like that venue was really nice, but it was like the general admission section was like disconnected from the floor in the sense that like it was very dark. And also like the GA section was like kind of just like away from the people who were seated on the floor. So I think that like it felt you felt like you were disconnected from the other parts of the crowd and you also couldn't really see them well. And it was just, like, this dark, cool venue, which was, like, really nice to watch a show at. But it didn't make for, like, a super hot crowd. And then also, like, there's just so much wrestling at Mania Weekend. Like, that Evolve 81 show that you were talking about with Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijack. Like, if you went to everything, you went to, um, like, you went to Evolve Thursday night. Then you went to, to Joey Janela's Spring Break. Then you got up at you know at midnight. Then you got up at noon and went to progress, and then you would have gone to evolve, and it would have been your like fourth wrestling show in like eighteen hours, you know. So that my recollection of that show is just being like dead inside, and just being like like oh like we're all exhausted, uh, we need a break.
2: Yeah, my my wife literally slept during Joey Janela's Spring Break, like in a seat next to me. She was asleep. I'm not sure how. I mean, Doink was there, uh, but in (laughs) Glacier. But uh, she was asleep. So
1: this mania weekend was peak. Just I I don't think we'll ever see another one like that again. There were just so many shows. There were too many shows. And if you did attempt to go to too many of them, not only was there just burnout from going to so many shows, you're seeing the same group of wrestlers wrestle each other. Three times a day for three days, and you can only mix and match them so much, and it all becomes a blur. So, that definitely hurts some of the crowds. And the thing with the Evolve shows specifically, as I look over my notes, is a lot of the great matches were spread around. They didn't have the one show where everything was great. And you know, they certainly have a roster that would have been capable of that. But you had two great matches here, three on this show, two on the WWE Super Show, and you didn't have the one show where a lot of the great matches were all bunched together. So I think that's why none of those shows stand out.
2: Any show that that stood out for you this year, Joe?
1: Uh, Yeah, actually. I would go with the – I never know the show numbers. I know dates. 128, which I think is Evolve 77, the back end of the San Antonio – double shot which uh had the the chris hero zach saber jr match that i already talked about there was a lot of other good stuff on there it opened up with barrett brown a local guy uh who who i've always been a big fan of and i think it was him and and uh, uh darby allen and they did an, did an angle with ethan page and the gatekeepers and then zach saber jr came out and joined uh uh, uh brown and allen and they had a, a hot six man to open up the show and then they had uh um, Dickinson and Jaka against Kincaid and Sammy Guevara, uh, another guy, Guevara, who I, you know, saw as a literal teenager from the age 18 up, uh, you know, uh, in Texas, uh, come up on the scene. So it was good to see him get a shot in Evolve. But the one thing I remember from that match is Black Ref was awesome. I love the Evolved Black Ref. I don't know his name. Do you guys know his name, Black Ref from Evolve?
2: I do know his name but I can't think of it. Uh, he's was in the- it was D A Brewers. D A, a, a. Brewers. Brewer. Yeah. He's an NXT. NXT we in the year, and is- he's he's an NXT now.
1: That dude is the best ref in the business. And yes. I've thought it forever and I probably should have took the time to learn his name and stop calling him black ref. But he was so awesome. In that Dickinson Jocka Kincaid Guevara match, he was just he was he was directing traffic. He was sending men who were not the legal men out of the ring, and you could tell the wrestlers were getting frustrated. But he, damn it, he was he was taking charge in that match, and that was his ring, and he wasn't going to let these guys get away with any shenanigans, kayfabe or otherwise. And that really stood out to me. That, that match fired me up. And then later on, you had that uh, the Riddle uh, versus uh, uh, Dustin uh, Wild.
3: That rule. Yeah. That was so good.
1: And I mean, I didn't even get to see a ton of it because they were all over the building. But the roof was just exploding for these guys. And I saw the, you know, the key spots that they did with the table spots and whatnot. But that match was awesome. And let me tell you something. Chucky T is so underrated in that kind of match. You know, we've seen him have those kind of matches. Uh, you know, under under this umbrella, uh, in the Dragon Gate USA days, against uh, against people like Gargano and people like John Davis, he always excels in that kind of match for whatever reason. And you wouldn't think that he would, but he does. And then, uh, you know, obviously at the great main event with Zack Saber Jr. and Chris Hero, uh, Chris Hero talked forever. I couldn't wait for him to stop. I mean, he just went way too long with the post match promo. But the match itself was incredible. Really, the only downer on that show was Thatcher again because it was Thatcher and Jeff Cobb. And it was just boring as shit. And, I I mean, and and it wasn't just me. I know I like to bang on Thatcher. But, uh, you know, every time I go to these shows live, it's just his matches. And I I know his matches aren't really structured to get reactions because he doesn't really work in that many high spots along the way. But, I mean, people were just falling asleep during that match. Total waste of Jeff Cobb. Uh, But, yeah, for me, top to bottom. Uh, that was the best show. There were so many things that were different on that show. The only thing that really let me down, because I didn't expect Thatcher to entertain me, but the only thing that really let me down was the ACH Fred Yehi match. That was a disappointment. But uh, the rest of the show, I enjoyed a lot.
3: Yeah, that was a really good show. And that that Dustin match was great. And um, yeah, I thought Thatcher got a lot better after he lost the title and sort of leaned into, both of us did, into being just kind of like a dickhead, asshole, ass kicker. Uh, But yeah, that title, I mean, I just remember... Two SummerSlam weekends ago in New York, just like the, it was a Gulak Thatcher title match in the main event, and it was like, you've never seen so many people looking at their phones during the main event title match. It was just, oh yeah, those matches were brutal. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, have, did,
2: I haven't missed him since he's been gone. To be honest,
3: oh, uh, well, but I guess we'll a it will get that back. Did um, did either of you see the Chuck Taylor Zack Saber Jr. bar match? I haven't seen it yet. Go check that. I mean, it's like, it's like they're certainly handcuffed because there's only so much you can do just brawling in a crowd. With, with no like, ring. With no ring and fighting on a bar. But I'm biased because I was at it and it was just like a lot of fun live even if you couldn't see much. But when I went back and watched it on tape, I was like, once I was able to see the match, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Like they did a good job uh, of like mixing in brawling and comedy and a little like sort of traditional hold for hold wrestling and having like a fun match in a really weird,
2: difficult environment. Joe, I feel like you will never watch that match.
1: I will probably never watch that match. Although (laughs) for the novelty aspect of it and the fact that, you know, Chuck Taylor really is awesome in those matches. I mean, he is such an underrated, underrated brawler. And so maybe I will, maybe I will check it out.
3: Yeah. It's like not long. I feel like it's like 12 minutes or whatever. It was fun. Um, yeah. So my, my show of the year is evolve. 87. Uh, back at the that had my match of the year with Zach Sabre Jr. And Jaka. It had a really good, uh, I think it was an opener of Tracy Williams versus ACH. Uh, that was really strong. It had that great. Um, uh, Beretta versus Austin theory match where they, they just went all, all out and it was then, and it was, you know, followed by the big Austin theory turn that uh, with Priscilla Kelly, that started him going in his current direction And the main event was uh, Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee, and they had an awesome match. Uh, Just like a barn burner that the crowd was just totally there for. Um, So that was like one of the most fun wrestling shows I've been to, and uh, that was great.
2: I guess Theory and Beretta also wrestled on Evolve 89, which we're probably about to talk about, and I was confusing the two matches that they had. So I've spoiled it a little, but uh, the worst show of the year is the the other award we wanted to talk about, and I think we both agree that it was – uh, the, the stinker of Evolve 89 in Marietta, Georgia, in July. Uh, there was a Theory Beretta match on it, but it wasn't quite as good as the one that was that.
3: Yeah, it was really uh, good, but it, it couldn't quite. And I like the main event of that show, too, but it couldn't quite. Like, Evolve, it doesn't always get to, like, the super high peaks, but it usually doesn't have stinkers. But this show had, like, three or four, like, real stinkers on it.
2: Yeah, well, this is when ACH and Ethan Page were doing the Troll Boys thing.
3: This was the first match that they had against each other where they trolled right. it up.
2: Oh, and that was, I hated that. This had the Jason Kincaid, John Davis match that even Gabe buried on Twitter later. And uh, the Keith Lee, Tracy Williams that was kind of aborted in the middle and uh, was terrible. So, oh, uh, didn't this end? This, the Ugly Ducklings are in the end of this show also, right? Yeah, it was a
3: three-way with the Ugly Duck. It was because it was the night after uh, the Work Horseman won the tag titles. And it was a right. three-way with the Ugly Ducklings, the Work Horseman, and Dickinson and Jocka.
2: Yeah, you. I hated that. So I hated the show really badly. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess we can move on from there. Well, we Not a lot to, on these other awards. We did want to shout out the best feud in Evolve this year, which uh, I think we both agreed was the Ethan Page and Darby Allin feud that – Uh, as far as, uh, from my perspective, paid off uh, in Orlando. And there was never another match between the two.
3: Yeah, I think we agree. There were no other Darby Allen ethan page matches that ended the way it should have with Darby getting his win, but you protect Ethan Page because you have the interference from Austin Theory. Um, And just a perfect, well-booked feud that uh, concluded uh, the right way when it was supposed to end.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And then the... uh, the We mentioned this a little bit, but the tag team of the year. Uh, No tag team but Doom Patrol Yeah, in my eyes.
1: Any thoughts, Joe? I don't think there there can be another pick. Right. I mean, what other direction would you go?
3: Well, some people – I saw Gabe because Gabe's doing the WWN Awards. I saw he tweeted out, and it wasn't, like, unanimous the way it should have been. Like, there were a lot of people who were like um, Henry and Drake, who had a very nice year. They're good, but I, I just, you know, I don't see it. And then some Man. people Some people really like the – did you like the Troll Boys, Joe? No, nah,
1: no, nah, I wasn't into that.
3: Yeah, I thought it was uh, horrific, personally.
1: Not a fan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're into Catchpoint, you know, you, there's a few iterations there you could have come up with for tag teams, but uh, Doom Patrol was great the entire year, so it's hard for me to pick anybody else. Okay. All right, well, the last thing we wanted to talk about on this – episode uh, was just looking ahead to 2018 where we see the promotion going we've already talked a lot about the state of the promotion I feel like so uh, we don't need to go back over that but I, I think what's clear you know Zach even talked about this a little bit on the last show is that this is a promotion that's planning to put new people uh, in the spotlight build some new stars as Zach said but that they have to prove their worth against him before they can become stars the the new mini doc I think they called it a short film, that Evolve put up gives us a teaser of where they're going. And I thought it was interesting that the first people that they showed in that mini doc were Darby Allen, Austin Theory, Jocka, DJ Z, and Walter, which the last one was a little surprising to me, but uh, specifically Darby Theory and Jocka. I feel like those are the guys that Evolve is going to build around going forward. And I like that. Uh, Joe, Everybody's heard us talk a lot about Darby and Theory and Jaka, so I want to hear your thoughts on specifically those three guys and kind of who you think uh, Evolve should be building around or, or pushing up to the top of the car.
1: Yeah, I mean Jaka obviously had a breakthrough year, so uh, no problem with pushing a guy like that. Um, Austin Theory, obviously, all kinds of potential there. Uh, Darby Allen, see, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on Darby Allen. Uh, obviously, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get over, which is an admirable trait. Um, but is there any evidence that he can go in a match in a, just a straight environment without taking those sorts of risks? I mean, I guess I would throw that to you guys and get your opinion on that. Or is he strictly going to be uh, a gimmick guy? Which I mean is fine. I mean, we've seen guys over the years, and 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 you know, you can you can. Um, you can certainly make a career that way. It may not be a long career, but, uh, but what, what do you think of that? Do you think that he can pivot at some point and perform bell to bell at a level uh, that people are used to in this company?
3: Let's say he's getting there. Um, I think that, and maybe I'm getting worked by the story because the story they're telling is that he's living in his car, going around the country, training in different gyms and trying to get better. But um, if you check out the match that he had against DJZ in Chicago a couple months back, like, that was great. I mean, they just – and they do. There were crazy – but he's taking, like, DJZ-level crazy bumps as opposed to, like, the ones that he was taking early in his career in Evolve, if, if, if that's fair. You know what I mean? He's, he's right. like, taking big bumps, but big bumps sort of, like, in line with what other people will take. Um, that match was great. And and I would advise you if you wanted to sort of get a sense of where he is, check out the Darby Allen um, Austin Theory match from this past Evolve weekend. Um, I thought that it was really strong. Like the finish didn't quite get there, but the middle section's really good. Um, if nothing else, like Darby Allen is a very sympathetic babyface, and he really he makes you feel his pain. And I think that that's like a quality that's really good to have in a wrestler. So I don't think that as a total package, I don't think he's quite as... I don't think he's as far along as Theory as like a full package, but he's definitely getting there. What do you think, Aaron?
2: Yeah, much more by Theory as the long-term guy, uh, especially as a guy who's going to have probably a real big career in wrestling. Uh, but Darby has... I think he's already improved a lot since he first showed up in Evolve. He's had some matches... More recently, You know, I think about uh, the Tracy Williams match that he had where he showed a little more uh, chops in the ring. And to me, the story is that he knows he has to become a better wrestler to eventually beat Zack Sabre Jr., who is like the technical wrestler. So I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, he's probably going to lose to Zach uh, in January when they come up against each other. And then we'll see him continue to have to improve a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be him or, or theory who's going to ultimately dethrone Zach, but I think Darby can get there. I'm optimistic about his future as a wrestler.
3: Yeah. I'm, I, they've built this Zach Saber jr. Uh, Darby Allen match really well. Uh, if you haven't check out, yeah, definitely check out that Darby uh, mini doc from a couple, I guess a month or so ago. I, I, they've done a really nice job with this sort of building this match. And I don't think it's the right time to pull the trigger on, on Darby as a champion. But I look forward to the next chapter in the story.
2: But, Joe, I mentioned uh, some of the people that they highlighted. Conspicuously absent from the mini-doc was Chris Dickinson, who I thought got a lot of shine in the last Evolve weekend. Do you think Dickinson is a guy that Evolve could build on?
1: I mean, from what I understand, he was pseudo-office as well. So, I mean, you know, especially, I mean, if you read the leaked emails, that shouldn't even be really a secret anymore. You know, no, I No, yeah,
2: I think that's I think that's open.
1: Yeah, I mean there were references to to I forget exactly what the references were, but um to, to him basically being being office. So I don't know what to make of that. Um, you know, unless he was blamed for the leaks. Uh, <laughs> I mean that's just speculation, but I, I I don't know. Um although there was wasn't there a uh, didn't somebody crack the code on one of the email addresses that matched his email address almost exactly? Didn't that happen as well? Around the time of the leaks, not to drag you guys back into that muck again. The Match Dickinson's um, email. Yeah, yeah, I saw something to that effect where someone. I missed uh, that if it happened. Yeah, I forget how they did it, but they. Um, oh, remember there was a uh, someone started a Twitter account um, with the express purpose of burying Gabe, and uh, someone went through oh, the Twitter.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and 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 the and the email attached started with a C and ended with an N. And like and the exact number of characters. And then when that was revealed, it was quickly all deleted. So there's a possibility that there's heat there. Um, you know, maybe he, you know, was caught and, and something happened in that direction. I, I, you know, I don't know. That could just be me stirring the pot. But if, if all is well, then, yeah, it is a bit surprising that he would have been featured.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe just, I don't, yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't wrestle on the last two shows because there was an incident with uh, Rob Killjoy. Did you see the thing that happened with Rob Killjoy? Of the ugly ducklings? I did not. Okay, so yeah, there was at the November, or I guess they didn't run November. So the October shows, um, Jocka went for a dive on Killjoy. Killjoy did not catch him, and Dickinson appeared to uh, kick him for real.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Dickinson was suspended uh, for the he didn't wrestle, but he was, it was weird because he didn't wrestle on the shows, uh, on the December weekend, but he was like very prominently featured in angles. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. It, it may just be like that. the, evolve that the mini documentary was about the evolve championship and it looks like they're setting Dickinson up for a shot against, uh, Keith Lee for the WWN championship.
1: Um, which, so maybe uh, just temporary punishments for various incidents, um, it, you know, the Ugly duck, Ducklings certainly didn't acquit themselves well at all in many regards And Evolve. I don't know where you guys stand on that, but uh, I didn't even yeah. know about the missed catch. That's yeah, just I've it. been
2: open about kind of hating the Ugly Ducklings. So
1: Yeah, they they, they did not look good at all, and um, I didn't even know about that at that incident, which, I mean, I, I – you know, that's old school wrestling justice. I don't even know if I can necessarily blame him if he threw a, you know, a shoot kick at the guy after – he nearly killed his partner. So
2: Yeah, he, uh, he appeared to just stomp the hell out of him for quite a while, to the, to the point that uh, Jaka tried to, like, pull him off of him, to stop him from stomping on him. So hmm. <laughs> it looked real at the time, and there was a lot of speculation that it was, but then they played it up like an angle on the last show, so it's hard to say. But.
1: Well, that could have obviously been the cover, you know. Uh, right. But, you know, if he missed him on a catch, I could totally – especially with a guy like Dickinson, who's known to be, a, you know, a bit fiery, to say the least – Sure. So I could definitely see that being the case.
2: All right. Well, that's, those are probably the directions or the people that they're going to be focusing on. Yeah.
3: But I also, year. a couple other things I wanted to talk about, I guess, is just sort of like, uh, just sort of like generally, like, how do you guys feel about the promotion right now? Like, where do you, I don't know, what are you looking forward to in the next year? What are you hoping for? How, you know, uh, how excited are you? To, to watch this promotion in the new year?
1: I feel like with roster stabilization, it'll all work itself out. I really think a lot of the disjointedness came from just uncertainty with the roster. All the guys that were cycled in and out, like your Elgin's and your Dijak's and and people like that, and all of the turnover, the constant turnover. Now we're seeing some stabilization with, with the roster. and um, and I, And I think at that point, and and for the reasons that Bentley noted before with, um, you know, not having that flow money coming in and a little extra motivation, uh, those two things combined, I can see them having a better 2018 than 2017.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited, honestly, about the promotion. And it's weird because we're not that far removed from me being super down on the promotion and kind of worried about uh, where it was going and how I was going to just keep watching these shows every month. Uh, but... Now that they've left Flow, and we we see that they are going to bring in big talent, like the fact that they're bringing in Daisuke Sakamoto and Will Ospreay to Mania Weekend is a big sign to me that they're going to keep pumping money into talent in this promotion. I know those are just one-off things, but they can't be, especially Sakamoto, can't be cheap flying him in for those shows. So uh, I'm really heartened by 2018. Uh, the biggest thing I want to see is like – I'm a huge Austin Theory fan now. I just want to continue to watch his ascension in this company. I'd really like to see uh, Dickinson in a bigger spot, and I'll get to keep watching Zack Sabre Jr. So I'll enjoy
1: that. I wouldn't be so sure that Osprey's a one-off. I mean, second really? obviously. Go on. <laughs> he Well, I mean, he's he obviously wouldn't be able to do these shows if he wasn't done with ROH, and it was pretty clear that he finished up with ROH um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, they just, first of all, they, they never, I mean, you, there were basically forgot he was with ring of honor. I mean, they barely used the guy. Um, and, and, you know, they, they finished him up and why wouldn't Gabe try to secure more dates than just mania weekend? You know, I'm not, I don't know anything. I don't know that he has, but why wouldn't you try? There's no reason not to, if the guy is a free agent and, and, and at your disposal. I mean, there's no reason not to book a guy like that if it works for both sides. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's just a one-off. I, I I don't see him going back to ring of honor. They didn't use him well. And he's the kind of guy where if he's not used well, he kind of loses focus and loses motivation. And, um, you know, if, if, if you lock that, if you give, if you present a guy like that with a plan and a push and, and not even necessarily win. I mean, he's a very unselfish wrestler. I mean, he loses everywhere he goes. You know, he's he never beats Skrull anywhere, and he you know he he did a losing streak gimmick and in in, uh, in 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 progress, and and he loses most of his big matches. But as long as he's doing something important, he's motivated and he tries hard. So um, I I would not be shocked if that's more than just a one off.
3: That would be great. I thought that him to evolve. I was thinking about it earlier today. Um, and I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, this is a great fit because like, I feel like, um, like last year it was like sort of easy to get kind of like Osprey fatigue because he was just, he was, he had an incredible year, but he was just everywhere. And then it was like this year, his star kind of waned. Like it's going to well, be good for he, him. Yeah, well, that that's because Ring of Honor had him
1: locked up and yeah. they basically had yeah, him under lock him in and Maul key balls. and Yeah. yeah. So
3: Absolutely. That, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying that like that happened. You know, and so right. it's it's like this is going to be a good stage for him. You know, I know he had the stuff in New Japan, but even they didn't, as you've uh, you've mentioned once or twice on the flagship, that they didn't really use him to his full potential. And um, yeah, I think this is like a nice like refresher for him for uh, for the domestic audience to be like, oh yeah, Will Ospreay, he's really fucking good. So I like like I think he can go out and have a big weekend. And it's big for. Of I've has got some top talent coming in this weekend between Sekimoto and Osprey and Walter and Keith Lee and Riddle. I mean, they they're gonna have a a, a lot of guys. Um, so I'm fired up. And and don't, uh, and
1: don't underestimate too that his that his New Japan contract is coming due in a couple of months. Now I have no idea if he's. He he tells people he's happy, and I've you know, and I have no idea. Um, if he plans on on leaving or not, but I mean, if if you know, Ring of Honor is obviously a close partner of New Japan. So you know, if he's walking away from Ring of Honor, it wouldn't shock me if he also walked away from New Japan. And then all of a sudden, he's got all kinds of dates opened up.
3: But don't you think he, if if he leaves those places, don't you think the only place for him to go is WWE? Like, would he just like hang around and work like? That's the and thing. Evolve? I mean,
1: if if you if you believe what he says, he's still not interested in going there, and he really wants to commit himself to Australia this year as well. All right. So, if that's the case, my gut tells me he stays with New Japan, does his Australia thing, and his North American stuff is wide open. So, if his North American stuff is wide open, why the hell wouldn't Gabe get as many dates on him as he can?
3: For sure. And also, while while you're here, um, what's what's the word on the street about Walter? Is this a guy? The two, three guys: Walter, DJZ, and AR Fox. Are these guys going to be like regular evolved wrestlers, or are they? going to be leaving soon?
1: I have no idea. All I know, what I've heard about Walter is, um, obviously his uh, tag team partner, Axel Dieter, went to WWE, but Walter is another one of these guys who just isn't interested in that, at least right now. So then it just comes down to a matter of cost. Do you want to keep flying him over here? And does it become um, you know uh, worth the cost to fly him over here? He's obviously the hot name right now. This is the time you want to book him. Um, but then after that, after the first couple of shots, is it worth the investment? Are you going to get return on investment? That's only a question Gabe can answer, but he will be available. DJ Z is a guy um, – look, Gabe keeps his ear to the ground. That's one thing he's very good at. And before he went down with this injury, DJ Z was arguably the hottest independent wrestler. I mean he's just having, he was having a hellacious year, AAW, uh, other places. He'd be crazy not to get as many dates as he could on DJ Z. And it seemed like it was trending that way. So he's not going to be out forever. You know he'll he'll come back from this injury, and and I, that's definitely a guy who was the third one you mentioned.
3: Uh, Ar Fox.
1: Yeah, again, there's some history there. Um, you know, Fox famously quit because he didn't want to pay tolls. Um, but I mean, it's like Gabe has mended fences with people before. You know he he. Booked low key after he said he never book him again. He booked Teddy Hart after he never after he said he would never book him again. He booked Davey Richards when he said he would never book him again. So I mean, there's there, there's precedent there in terms of mending fences. Which another plug again in the profile I wrote for Fighting Spirit Magazine. That's another big theme that I hit on with Gabe, how he he is willing to mend fences when it comes to doing business. So uh, yeah, I mean the Walter thing, I just don't think it's cost you know, there's, it's a cost prohibitive thing, but with the other two, yeah, obviously, and and A.R. Fox, he's another guy who kind of feels fresh because he hasn't been working the higher profile indies uh, in recent years as much as he was in the past.
2: You know, uh, as good as Gabe is at Mending Fences, I mean, he did retweet me a few weeks ago, so I don't know if he wants to, you know.
1: I can tell you, even on a personal level, that guy's been mad at me and Rich, a thousand fucking times. And that it, it's just the way, you know, it's like he, he's a fiery guy. Gabe wears it on his sleeve, you know. And I can promise you that he doesn't hate you guys. I, in fact, I'll tell you what. I can promise you that firsthand that he doesn't hate you guys. How about that?
3: Wow. This is news this this is here on the Everything Evolves <laughs> podcast. The King yeah. of Danger comes on and uh, he's got <laughs> brought
2: some scoops with him. So thank you.
1: <laughs> so that retweet wasn't accidental. Oh well,
2: all right. That's that's really uh, fills my heart with joy. Yeah. I give it a little more time,
1: yeah. honestly. I give it a little more time. <laughs> but but yes, that fence can be mended. He doesn't hate you guys. He does not. Oh
2: well, that's good to hear. Um, we were also going to talk about Mania weekend, but we've talked about kind of everything surrounding that. The only thing, Aaron and I talked about this, and I want Joe. I want to get your opinion on this. My thought is that. I am personally really psyched about Sekimoto working at the Evolve Weekend because he's one of my favorite wrestlers, and I didn't think I'd ever get a chance to see him live. So I'm very excited. But I'm wondering how many tickets Sekimoto sells to Evolve shows. Like how many people that go to Mania Weekend are into Sekimoto? He works at a, a, for a pretty small promotion. He's pretty popular within the Twitter bubble, but I, I don't know about on a, a bigger scale.
1: It, you look, I think it's WrestleMania weekend. You go all out, and you have to do things to stand out above because you're always going head-to-head with someone else. So I do think it's smart to bring in a guy like that. Um, I remember in Dallas a couple of years ago, uh, Gabe went with Kota Ibushi. I think without question, the biggest crowds they ever had um, that year in Dallas. I think Kota Ibushi had a lot to do with that. Um, I don't think Daisuke Sakamoto will have that kind of effect as a Kota Ibushi. Of course, Kota Ibushi had the advantage of being a New Japan guy and all those sorts of things. But I do think he moves the needle to some extent. I can tell you personally, I went from 90% going to New Orleans to 110% going to New Orleans when that guy's name got announced. I am not missing an opportunity to see that guy live. And I think there's probably a lot of people like me and a lot of people like Bentley – who, who feel the same way look this is my might be my one shot to see Daisuke Sakamoto. and if that's the difference between buying an evolve ticket and buying you know whatever the ROH ticket that night or the whatever's running head to head with it then you know it, it's those hundred tickets that can make the difference between breaking even on a weekend like that and losing a little bit of money so um, uh, yeah I, I don't I'm not opposed to that at all I think those are the kind of things you have to do. Because WrestleMania weekend is so competitive now, I mean it's just crazy. It's overwhelm. It's almost overwhelming.
2: Yeah, I, I was kind of planning to let it play out with the Evolve cards to see what they were going to look like to decide whether to do those or the WrestleCon shows. But basically, the minute they announced Second Moto, I bought tickets to every Evolve show.
1: Yeah, uh, and that kind of that hammers home my point. I mean, we have we have two people right here on this call who j- they just made money on. And, you know, we're obviously not the only ones. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think he can he can draw at least at that, you know, uh, at that level.
2: All right. I, I guess AT took his L earlier in the show. I will take my L on my previous second moto say, Although this
3: one, that one, like, I had to take the L because Joe had, like, fax, had, like, facts that we didn't have access to. This, this is just to speculate. <laughs> I think it's important to keep ourselves honest. We can't just take uh, – Joe's commentary is the word of God, even though he does agree with me, and I'm inclined to believe that I'm right. Uh, you know. Well, what,
1: hold on now. What, yeah. what what is this now that Sakamoto will draw?
3: Yeah, that well, was no, what yeah. that was what Aaron was arguing with. Whether I, 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 I mean, look, look I don't. Think, I, I thought I don't, he would be.
1: I don't think he's selling a thousand tickets, right? But I mean. You know, I do think at, at, at what they're trying to accomplish with them, they will. I, you know. And then here's the other thing, too. Things like that are just, it's, it's, it's good to book guys like that now and then. I actually, you know, when I was doing Hall of Fame research, because um, Kota Bushi was on the ballot this year, I actually reached out to Gabe and I asked him, I said, hey, when you booked him for Ring of Honor in 2007, when you booked him for Evolve One or whatever it was, did he move the needle? and you know he said no he did not he goes those shows drew exactly what they would have drawn before but the thing about it is having a kota abushi on those shows it established evolve as holy shit they're gonna book big names It's gonna be big shows this has a big main event it got some buzz maybe it sold some dvds you know so bringing in a guy like Sekamoto, it 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 it's a headline grabber you know and and it's an attention grabber and it's it's you know, I, I talked before about running ECW Arena was kind of a loss leader for him. And sometimes it's a loss leader to book guys like this just to show that your promotion is, is big time on the scene. So there's value in that, too, I think.
2: Yeah, especially coming out of Flow Slam. Yeah. Very important here.
1: Having yeah.
3: Osprey and Second Motors and, and Walter on the same uh, WrestleMania weekend is a nice way of, you know, putting – planting your flag in the ground, sending, sending your sort of the signal – out to people who may have been frustrated by the Flow Slam ordeal that, hey, we're back, we're spending money, we're a big-time promotion.
1: Especially when word leaked that they were going to downsize the roster and use cheaper talent.
2: Right. Right.
1: You know, so that's a nice way to sort of uh, edge that off.
2: All right, well, I think we have covered the year in Evolve pretty well. Uh, Joe, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the new uh, Voices of Wrestling Patreon, and I, I'm going to open the floor to you at this point to tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so uh, I've I've kind of been resistant uh, to doing this for many years, and I know that Rich was kind of more into this than I was, but I'm finally on board, and we rolled out a uh, Voice of the Wrestling flagship podcast Patreon page. Uh, The one thing that I have always insisted upon, and Rich too, to be fair, is we didn't want this to be the sort of Patreon where it's just us sticking our hands out. Um, I'm not a handout kind of guy. I'm old school. I like working for my money. I'm not going to – what what do they call it guys grifting on the internet i'm not a big fan of that you know what i mean i just i i i if if we're going to take money from people I want to work for it. So uh, we've got two different subscription levels, and we are calling them subscriptions, not donations. You are not donating to us; you are subscribing to us. At either level, you come in on either the two-dollar level or the five-dollar level. You are paying for actual content. There is no thank you level. There is no bumper sticker level. None of that bullshit. Okay, these are just two different subscription tiers where you will be getting content. The two-dollar tier is the, uh, the what we call. It's a new show called the Overrun. Uh, uh, we always run out of time on the flagship because I'm a bloviating idiot who doesn't want to shut up, and uh, you know we don't get to all our topics, and that happens all the time. So now when we hit our three-hour limit, uh, we have a this will be sort of a flagship flagship extension where we get to talk about all the topics that we didn't have time to get to in our uh, excruciatingly long three-hour format. So if you jump in at the two-dollar level, you have access to the overrun flagship extension. We guarantee at least one per month. Uh, there will never be less than one per month, and uh, you will get the overrun podcast. At the $5 level, that's where uh, that's where shit gets serious. Um, that's where we're going to be rolling out all sorts of things that we just simply never had time to do in our three-hour free format. I do want to stress the weekly three-hour flagship podcast will remain free sponsor uh, and ad supported. That's never going to change. What you're paying for here is bonus content with both of these subscriptions so uh the five dollar tier it's basically whatever we can think of some of the ideas we've thought of are potentially uh instant reaction major show reviews right after they end um entire shows devoted to our mailbags which are always off limits so we'll you know do a full hour two hour show that's strictly mailbag we'll do themed uh reviews like the starcade 91 that we've been promising for five years and never delivering on uh we'll bring back some of our some of the bits that we 've done on the flagship that we don 't have time to do anymore, like Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other and just do shows totally devoted to that we haven 't done interviews in three or four years, so uh, you may see interviews at that tier, special guest retro uploads of shows that were pre audio boom that you can 't find on the audio boom archive, which will probably get us in trouble because i 'm sure I was very problematic in those days we 've got off topic content rich's squashing buttons is coming back, Lanza unfiltered is coming back. The greatest three episode podcast in the history of podcasting, which Bentley was a, uh, a guest on uh, and did a tremendous job and got rave reviews, and he will probably be a guest again. But Lanza Unfiltered is coming back and it'll be behind a paywall. So imagine what that's going to be like. Uh, it, it, was, it was obscene to begin with, but now it's going to be behind a paywall. And then, you know, whatever else we could think of. We got a million different ideas. Uh, We know some things we're going to do, but we're just not telling people yet. What we want to do is under-promise and over-deliver. That's the key. We want to make sure we over-deliver. You go to www.patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling to find our page. $2 or $5. uh, Very affordable. And uh, for all the people who have always wanted more flagship, and the response has been great so far, now you have your chance.
2: I got to say, I'm really excited about the – response that you guys have gotten already it's uh i don't know what i expected from an outsider's view of how many people would sign up but i'm excited that a lot of people have and you guys are going to get rewarded for all the work you've been doing i'm pumped about it
1: yeah thank you i hope so so uh we'll we'll see what happens uh we've been excited about the response too um you know we've got a number in mind that we thought we would eventually hit we know that um you know once we start rolling out content we expect to see another little bump but uh you know we'll see how it goes it's it's it's, and that's the other thing. We're not selling people that we need this money The show or the show can't continue if we don't get this money or our pets are going to starve to death if we don't get this money. No, uh, we're gamefully employed. We're fine. Uh, this is just uh, – uh, sub- this is a subscription to extra content. That, that's what this is and uh, uh, hopefully we deliver.
2: Well, I have not signed up yet, but I feel confident that I will so that I can get uh, all the Rich and Joe that I need in my life. Uh, I was a guest on Lands Unfiltered, and I had a great time. I hope I can come back, and uh, I always enjoy you guys. I know that Joe and I disagree a lot, and we give each other a lot of shit, but uh, I always enjoy chatting with you and uh, and getting your your take on things.
1: You know, I think we agree more than uh, than people think, too. You know, you I, know. I agree with that. Yeah, play up the gimmick a little, you know, but sure. uh, I, I don't think I'm the monster that a lot of people think I am. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, but, I, but I, I have no problem uh, portraying that monster. That's fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. thanks for coming on and uh, being a good sport about uh, taking the communist loyalty oath. Uh, I talked to some folks at the DSA just now. And we're going to send you your card. It will be in the mail uh, sometime next week.
1: Listen, I the next time I'm in Jersey, I will I will try to come to a meeting with you. Yeah. Oh my not, god. Listen. Oh man, that's some premium content. That's a third. <laughs> that's a ten dollar a month tier. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm I'm open, I'm an open minded guy. You know, yeah. I may tell you, right. I, I listen to you. I may tell you you're nuts when you're done talking <laughs> to me, but I I, I listen. You know, and and, and I ask you and and I bounce stuff off of you guys all the time because, you know, I I like you guys. I think we're pals and I like getting uh, these wacky pinko perspectives, you know. So (laughs) the next time I'm in Jersey, if I could carve out a half a day to uh, take a train into the city, I will come to a meeting with you and sit there and listen politely. And then, you know, you know, I'll go banter with you later in a diner or something.
2: Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) You're on.
1: I would love that.
2: This is amazing. All right, Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to remind everyone that we are on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, of course, which you can find at voicesofwrestling.com. or on the podcast app of your choice. You can also subscribe just to the Everything Evolves feed on iTunes. Uh, we would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, uh, all the above. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at EvolvePod. I'm at Aaron like the car. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. Uh, we will be back in just a couple of short weeks to talk about uh, the next batch of Evolve shows in January. And uh, I guess that's it. Joe, do you have anything else you need to add uh, to plug before we get out of here?
1: At Voices Wrestling. Do not follow my shoot account. You're wasting your time.
2: Well, unless you're like really into college basketball.
1: If you're into college, look, if you're really into college basketball and Joey Votto, then yes, at Joanne Lanza. (laughs) Go right ahead.
2: All right. Uh, Thanks, Joe, for Aaron. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next
0: time. Happy New Year.